fathers God to the author of liberty to thee we sing Lord on our land be bright with freedom's holy light protect us by the might great God our King Amen this morning I'm going to do something a little different here. Why don't you just keep standing. I want you to look at my mother here. This is her graduation picture uh, when she was 18 years old, Ruth Irene Modi. At that time she was Ruth Irene Carraway. I'm going to talk about her a little bit this morning and the families that we have here in America and how important the home is to the country. Beautiful. Yeah, I didn't get her good looks, I tell you. I'm somewhere in between dad and mom, I think. This morning what I'd my prayer is that that we all soak in a message here of love of our God and of our country and that we can always remember that we can have our country back if we will just seek the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And I want to read you something that I wrote today, or wrote this past week, that my birthday is on July 4th, and my mom, Ruth, would be 87 on July 5th. My mom was a strong woman of God. Her Bible, which my sister still has this, has it today, is all underlined and marked up with notes. She worked her Bible. So that brings to mind for me and for you is, do you work your Bible? Is your Bible underlined, circled, notes on it? Do we work our Bibles anymore? Do we work our Bibles? You know, the people back home that still remember, my mom will remember her as a quiet woman. That's where, I, I don't know where I got this, where I talk so much. Um, but her testimony speaks volumes. Mom was an awesome wife to my dad. She worked with him in assisting his duties as transportation director for the school district and as assistant fire chief in our community of 4,000 people. This was before cell phones because at our house, the phone was all ringing. It was either to do with school business or fire department business. My mom at the same time was the head cook at Winfair Elementary School, which happened to be in our backyard. My dad also was the head usher at the American Lutheran Church. They had a tremendous work ethic, but before that they put God first and then family and they both worked their Bibles. I have my dad's Bible. It's not as underlined as much as mom. But the thing that I'm bringing this up today is because we all make choices. And a choice that my mom and dad made was to work their Bible and follow the Bible in every aspect of their life. And I, you know, I'm really sick and tired of America complaining about things when the answer is plainly God and, do, and following God's Word and living a life for God, not for ourselves. My mom and dad 
passed on to glory at the same age of 64 years of age. You can imagine that me now turning 61 thinks about what mom and dad must have thought about before they passed away. My dad died of a sudden heart attack Easter morning 24 years ago. A year and a half later, mom died of cancer. Mom, in her cancer, she fought it for a year and a half, but she talked to Pastor Zay and called me one day in my office in Indiana where I was working at the time in Christian radio, and she said, Duane, that's my birth name, I want to ask you, I talked to Pastor Zay and I would like to end the chemo because it's worse than the disease and I'd like to go home to heaven and be with your daddy. If that's okay with you kids, that's what I would like to do. And all of us gave mom our blessings to do that, of course. You see, the life that my mom and dad gave me is what keeps me preaching. Because I know the answer. It's Jesus Christ. You know, we're all messed up as a country because we don't realize it. I'm really surprised how many Christians complain about the condition of this country when we're the ones for the blame because we have not followed God for the most part in our lives and in this country. I preach Jesus Christ and the importance of the family because I know what a difference a Christian family can be. People ask me, when did you find Jesus? When did you accept Jesus? Well, in my household, Jesus was just a natural thing. You just walked into Jesus' arms. The thing that I remember is, you know, when I was old enough to go to Sunday school, back in those days we wore a white shirt and a tie to Sunday school. I've known Jesus all my life. I've had a relationship with Jesus all my life. He's who drives my bus. He's the one who drives this car out to reserve every Sunday. It's Jesus. I have a deep passion for families. It pains me to no end. Abortion and children that don't have a mommy and daddy. And I'm maybe preaching to the choir here, but you can pass it along to your friends and your neighbors. It's our duty, the church. We've got to quit complaining about health care. Health care is the responsibility of every individual in this country to take care of their bodies and their own health care, and the church has a role in helping people with their health. We're the first aid station, folks. The church is. The family is really important. You know, when I preached to you a couple of weeks ago, I brought out these stats that 44% of the children in the U.S. currently live in a fatherless home. Only 26.5 million of fathers are living at home with their wife and kids. In other words, more than 50% of the fathers in America are absent from their biological children. 85% of all children with behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. The dropout rate in Albuquerque is 69% of the children in Albuquerque fail to graduate from high school. The only thing that's saving the britches of Albuquerque is the Christian schools and homeschooling. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 
daughters of single family homes where the father is not involved are 71 more, 71 more percent likely to become pregnant and then get divorced if they're married. You see, we know the problems. God knows the problems on here and he's pleading with us all to come back to him and look to him. God wants us to bless him. I'm really tired of America saying, God bless America. It almost seems, it just makes me very uncomfortable because God has blessed America even before he founded this country. And then he blessed it more when it was founded under biblical principles. I got a quote here from you and it's from Thomas Jefferson. The result of all these actions and perhaps best reflected in the words spoken by Thomas Jefferson on November 29th, 1775. Believe me, dear sir, there is not in the British Empire a man who more cordially loves a union with Great Britain than I do. But by the God that made me. There's one of our founding fathers and a future president of the United States. But by the God that made me, I will cease to exist before I yield to a connection on such terms as the British Parliament proposes. And in this, I think I speak the sentiments of America. Thomas Jefferson in 1775. Nobody can tell me that this country was not founded on biblical principles. I would encourage all of you to get the Founder's Bible. This thing will fire you up because it's all Bible scriptured and ties in how our founding fathers did what they did and they only did what they did with the help of God Almighty guiding them throughout the founding of America and through of course the Revolutionary War. As Jefferson drafted the Declaration of Independence it was divided into five sections including an introduction and a conclusion and other two sections that were divided. It was without question the nation's most treasured symbol of liberty, declaring in unforgettable terms the convictions that resonated in the minds and hearts of the American people. The introduction states that the independence was unavoidable, unavoidable and that this document will declare in causes that made it necessary for the American colonies to declare their independence. Have you all heard of the book Common Sense that was written back then? Paul? Yeah. That is, you get a copy of that book. It, you can read portions of it on the internet. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem more likely in effect for their safety and happiness. Common Sense sold more than 150,000 copies and stimulated public debate and support for separation from Great Britain. 
In May, the Congress learned that the king had negotiated treaties with German states to hire mercenaries to fight America. His actions convinced many Americans that England was now treating them as foreigners. I really encourage you all to get the Founder's Bible because it just ties it all together. And now's the time more than ever that Americans see the relationship between God and us, the country, the United States of America, more clearly than ever before because it's not being written in the textbooks and the history books that our children in our elementary taxpayer-supported schools have. You will find it, however, in the Founder's Bible. I have a prayer because I love America. I got my tie on today, my July 4th tie, We the People. Have you ever seen the video? Well, I remember this on TV. That's how old I am. But have you ever heard Red Skelton recite the Pledge of Allegiance? Have you ever seen that? Would you all please stand with me and we'll recite the Pledge of Allegiance, please. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And praise God they have not taken his name out of the Pledge of Allegiance even though there have been attempts to remove God from the Pledge of Allegiance. And let us remember every day that we breathe here in this country that this flag is made possible by God. And it was founded by God. You may be seated. I'm going to read to you a patriotic poem. And it was written by Clara Nelson. Clara's 90 years old. And she still writes poetry. Give you a little background on Clara. Back in 1972, do you remember the name Lowell Lundstrom? Okay, Lowell Lundstrom was doing a revival in my hometown of Wyndham, Minnesota. And if you remember, last August I returned to my hometown to do the first revival there since Lowell Lundstrom did it. So Clara was at the 72 revival, and she was also at the 2016 revival. She was just about to turn 90 years old. A side note to that, one of the preachers there was brought to Christ by Clara. And he didn't know Clara was going to be at the revival. She marched down to the swimming pool after the 1972 Low Lundstrom revival and said, Franz, have you accepted Jesus yet? And he kind of looked at Clara like she was a nutcase. But Franz accepted Jesus because Clara was bold enough to approach people and, you know, she basically preached to them and asked them to join the kingdom to accept Jesus Christ. But Clara now writes music and poetry. And this one made me weep. By the way, an Albuquerque Christian station wanted us to record this message today, so that's why I'm wearing this recorder. It's going to be played back on Albuquerque radio. Clara's poem is, I Love America. Does America still love America? Or are we trying to create a different America or a America for us? If you ask me, it seems like there's about 10 different 
America's right now in this country, yet it's so split. But listen to what Clara wrote. I love America. She's got some answers here, folks. America is great when we worship God. America is great when we worship God. So you take the first line right there, and that's where we have failed as a country. America is great when we read God's Word. Are we working our Bibles? What are we doing? America is great when we read God's Word. We remember that many people before us who made our country great. Even today, the sacrifices we make. I love America. This is my country. This is my home. In the woods and wilderness, I see the mighty works of God. The green grass and beautiful trees. The blue sky and fluffy white clouds. The lakes, rivers, and streams. I love America. This is my country. This is my home. We remember what has made America great. Our forefathers worshipped God. They read God's Word and prayed. Before we were born, they prayed for us as a nation to be strong in the Lord. I love America, this country. This is my home. Now it's up to you and me to keep our nation free. Many before us set the pattern and showed us what to do. Obey God's Word, America, and daily pray too. I love America. This is my country. This is my home. By Clara Nelson. And I pray that Clara is going to speak at the revival we're doing back there in Minnesota in November of this year. But you see where what Clara points out here is America is great when we worship God. Only 12% of America goes to church anymore. When you factor in the Catholic Church, it goes up to 17%. America is great when we read God's Word. Do we really read God's Word anymore? We remember the many people before us who made our country great. Do we really do that? We argue enough in this country how it was founded and the blood that was shed for this country. Do we really think about the beautiful trees? One of the blessings for me coming out here to reserve over the last five years is you all have been gifted by God with beautiful country. I mean, it's postcard after postcard after postcard. I think my phone is full of 500 pictures of reserve in Catron County. The rivers and streams, the trees, the forests, the elk, the deer, the people here. You all are special people. You're a very special part of America. I was telling Charles before today, the reason I've come out here is because God has told me to come out here. And I've grown a lot since I've met you all and been helping in this church. I want to read you one more poem. This past week, one of my heroes, 90-year-old Charles Martin, Albuquerque Poli Police Department, for many years Charles served there. 
he wrote a book of poems, My Bible Crushed in the Wine Press. And Chuck, as I say, just died this week of stomach cancer. But one of the things I wanted to read to you after reading Clara's poem is what Chuck wrote in his collection of poems, This Man of God. He served the city of Albuquerque. He's a hero to many in Albuquerque. But when you take the poem I just read you and go to Ch Chuck's poem, the title of it is A Wake-Up Call. America Needs a Wake-Up Call. These are the words of Chuck. God says in the end, many will scoff and follow the evil one. See, he wrote this years ago. Don't you see it right before your eyes? People are spitting at God. God says in the end, many will scoff and follow the evil one. It's the love of self and money that denies the truth of his son. Men sneer at the true and faithful, live foolish and swollen with pride. Many attend church every Sunday, but quickly lay purity aside. You know, I've preached on that before. Is I, I just don't hear that word enough. Purity. We used to get that preached to us all the time. Be pure in your thoughts. Be pure in the way you treat others. Much of creation has now turned away for a life filled with envy and hate, luring silly young women and men to a horrible hell-bound fate. But all your deeds, whatever they are, must be laid at the foot of the cross. Know that the ones not of God will be burned and lost forever. The day of reckoning draws closer. You can still invite Jesus in. Ask for the cleansing of your soul. Confess every trace of sin. Don't wait until tomorrow. Your tomorrow may never arrive. Accept his unconditional love so your soul and spirit will survive. You see, what I'm reading you today are two poems from two 90-year-olds because those folks really know where the rubber hits the road. You can cut that off at about 50 anymore in this country. It's divided. And so is the church. Because the American church, for a lot of it anyhow, has turned into an entertainment center. As Chuck Colson said years ago, the American church had turned into a high school pep rally. To put this in a greater context and see, I am not doing a political debate here. I am bringing forth the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only truth, the only pure truth. We have got to quit arguing about things that we know are ungodly. You cannot reason with foolish people. The Bible talks about that. Here's what it comes down to. The natural mind of man. When I speak of the natural mind, I'm referring to the thinking process that is limited to human reason and resources. Human history shows that the natural mind becomes progressively self-destructive if left to its own desires. 
People who are directed by their natural minds walk in darkness and have incorrect thinking. Incorrect thinking is an epidemic in America. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. America has turned into a one big hardened heart. Ephesians 4, 17, 18. The scriptures call the mind of the natural man blinded. America has an epidemic of blindness. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Depraved. Romans 1.28 Corrupt. 1 Timothy 6.5 And unspiritual. Colossians 2.18 The natural mind thinks from a humanistic, sin-debased viewpoint. The viewpoint of the flesh directs its thoughts. They're not walking in the Spirit of God. The sinful mind is under the control of Satan. So many minds are under the control of Satan and not God. When your mind is under the control of Satan, you can never please God because it concentrates on things of the world and not things of the Spirit. The natural mind walks a path of hopelessness and self-destruction. And unless we have a revival in this country and in seek the face of Jesus Christ, we will have, we're really on that slippery uh, slope and go, going downhill fast. My heart mourns for America. July 4th is my birthday. I have red, white, and blue in my body. God is my, my establishment in my life. But I mourn for my country. I weep for my country because I see what is happening. I see what's happening. Because God has given me that vision. That's where we're headed unless we return to Jesus Christ. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 24, in preparation for the Lord's Supper, please. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not 
be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Let us prepare our hearts and minds and souls. Taking part in the Lord's Supper is a recommitment to the covenant that God has established between us and Himself. Our Lord instituted this communion on top of the first covenant that was symbolized by the Passover Seder. And like the Passover Seder covenant that we have with God is established in blood and sacrifice. On Passover, bread that is eaten is bread that is made in a hurry and it looks much like a saltine cracker because there is not to be any leaven used. In Scripture, this represents sin and Jesus is without sin. If you were to examine the bread of Passover, you would also notice that it has holes to ensure that no rising takes place. This is to represent that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. You'll also notice that this bread has stripes, for it was by His stripes that we were healed. And you'll also notice that the bread can be broken, unlike wonder bread, that is to remind us that He was broken for our sins. When we drink the fruit of the vine, we are reminded that He is the first fruits of those risen from the dead and that His blood was spilled to establish a new covenant of grace and mercy. 1 Corinthians tells us that we should be deliberate and thoughtful in partaking in this communion, and that we should not do it in an unworthy manner. First, we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior to be part of this new covenant. Second, is there anyone here who has gone through the last week without sin? If we're honest, there are probably one or two things that we need to repent of, and it is best to confess our sins to the Lord, who is faithful to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. My friends, right now, please join me and take a moment to enter the presence of God and deal with our sin and our disobedience. If Deacon Charles and Glenn would come forward at this time.
Glenn, could I? Could you serve me, please? Could you serve me, please? And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In this same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Lord, we're taking it slow here and easy today. to give us more time to think of you. More time to be between the bread and the fruit of the vine to think what we as individuals can do to change this world for you and reflect on our sins and we seek your forgiveness for those, Lord. Lord, I pray especially today that all here at this Reserve Baptist Church will know how special they are to me and how they've encouraged me in my life. And we go with the Last Supper, Lord, we think about what you did after the Last Supper and we reflect on our own lives. What are we doing with our lives, Lord? May we take what we have learned here today and what you have revealed to us today to be better people of God, to be better servants for you, Lord, and be real difference makers here in Catron County. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. To me, 
The Last Supper is one of the most emotional, spiritual practices that we do in the church. The thing that I always like to do is take time and reflect before the bread and the, from the vine, the fruit of the vine. You know, we are living in a time where people move so quickly from one thing to the next. Do we really feel the presence of the Lord? I don't know about you, but right now I feel a strong presence of the Lord in this church. There's people here that are hurting because of lost loved ones, like Sylvia. I have friends who are hurting because of lost loved ones. We all know people that are in trouble and having struggles. The only answer is our Lord Jesus Christ. Jimmy, would you come up and lead us in our last song, please?
I just want to make this call out because um, a pastor's duty is to build up the church and to build a healthy and robust church it needs to the local body of Christ requires commitment, a commitment to each other and to take a role in the direction of the church under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to become a member of this church. I'm looking at you, Paul. And I invite you to commit to something bigger than yourself, and I invite you to commit to each other. And Southern Baptist churches are led by the pastor, but decisions on church operations and finance, finances reside with the church membership and the business meeting. This allows the church to be invested in the direction of the Holy Spirit is leading the church. It is also a protection for the pastor while allowing for a biblical leadership that draws upon the church body. Membership shows a commitment to Jesus and the local body of Christ. It is from the church membership that leaders are developed, from deacons to Sunday school teachers to worship team leaders, members, and leaders must be members, and the church needs leaders. The church needs members. The church continues to be a shining light to Catron County. So how to become a member of this church is through a transfer from a church of like faith and message, through confession of faith and believer's baptism, and both require a majority vote from the church membership after, after discussion with the pastor about the transfer or baptism. And if you would like to be considered for membership of the church, would you please come forward now? Kelly, would you pray, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this week we've had. Thank you that we're here celebrating the country that you founded. We're men and women of, of Jesus Christ and your faith. Heavenly Father, may we not take for granted what we have. As Americans, I feel we should. We have more responsibility. We have the freedom to share you and to teach you and to serve you, Lord. I pray as we go out this week that there will be lights in the darkness and it will shine for your glory. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You all have a blessed week. Charles, thank you, Charles. Thank you, Pastor. I have to fly out to um, to Washington. I have to go on the plane from Silver City, and um, I have business to take care of that would mean you know me staying here or not staying. Here. And when I come back in roughly two weeks, hopefully uh, I can. I can know what what the, what God wants awesome. me to do. Awesome, awesome. That's the only reason I, I wouldn't didn't come forward. I want you to know that. Well, praise God. Because uh, you know, I have to take care of this business, and I have to I have to complete it in, in one way or another. Okay, brother. What is that, Paul? What is the business? I purchased this land in Washington, and I have to find out. Um, um, 
I made provisions to sell my house here in reserve that I bought um, for good or bad in the interest of going out there to Washington and living out there. And um, when I come back, I will have to either, you know, complete the signing of the papers that sells mm -hmm. the house here in reserve. Mm -hmm. Decide while I'm up in Washington to either just put that yeah. property up for sale. Here's what the there. Lord is showing me right now. Lord, I thank you for my new friend, Paul. And I, Lord, I'm so thankful he's looking into you closer for answers. And looking in and looking in. Lord, I pray for a super powerful protection for him and wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. He's going to give you the answer. Be looking. Because I never fly on airplanes. You got it, bud. I'm not an airplane. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, sir. You can always call me. It was good to see you again. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. Thank you. Tell your wife. I'll do that. Good to see you. See, I, I think a bull rider should manage his Twitter account. Yeah, somebody needs to take that phone from him. I would. I'd take it out there and throw it in the middle. You know, when I worked in Indiana, Mike Pence was one of our leaders. You know, he became governor of Indiana. You know, he's he's a just a sweet man, Christian man, but he's strong. I wish he ran the Twitter account. Yeah, it is. Nice to see you. Good to see you. You have a safe drive. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah. It won't be. I don't know whether he can or not. Well, you. One of my most favorite girlfriends right here. I just love her so much. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, sir. You keep on the right road, brother. I will. Kelly, thank you for your prayer. I, it's just been a pleasure getting to know you. Pardon? Okay. Okay. No, you can't drive all the way. So that's what we need to we can call it a special meeting, but it takes three announcements. Well, I guess you're going to have to just...
We'll take you. We'll just nominate you. I'll be back in about three weeks, okay, and then we'll, we can, you can do that while I'm gone. Next Sunday we'll have a meeting. We'll get that set up. Okay. Next yeah. Sunday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. So we'll just worry about it then. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> have a happy Fourth of July. Thank you, Kelly, for everything you're doing for the church. Yeah, we're going to eat at Alice today. Was that a good message, Charles? Oh, that was just perfect. The Lord did good. He did good. Well, you know how special my mom and dad were. Oh, but how they brought me up, you know. Thank you, my dear. I'm very grateful. Does she need to write the check, Charles? I'll get Sylvia. I'll get Joan, too. Joan will have to sign it. Anyway, we're going to see you guys I, next week. I want one. I want that T-shirt. I want to get one like that. Did you really? Yeah, I got a white one too. I'm gonna wear that one to work. Wasn't my mommy a beautiful girl? Oh, absolutely, she was. I mean, I have the the rocking chair that she she'd take her chemo and then come home and sit in that rocking chair with her quilt. You know, I have that that rocking chair. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a rocking chair that my grandma and grandpa rocked us in, and Brian and I were moving around a lot, so my brother ended up with it, but we still have it in our family. So he's rocking his son in a special. It does a, an old guy like me to see you and Brian together and how on fire you are for the Lord. It makes it all the worthwhile of doing what I do. Oh, absolutely. And you. you